You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Riverview Church. It's so good to be with you, even in a virtual setting. I'm standing here in an empty church, but I can just picture you all sitting there in front of me. It's a good feeling to do just that. There's been a line of a song that we regularly sing here at Riverview when we're together. It's been going round and round and round in my head for days, if not for weeks. I do know the rest of the song, but it's one line that's been stalking me. And so I thought I need to go to scripture because God is obviously trying to bring it to my attention for a reason. The line says, the waves and wind still know his name. And I want to bring it to your attention now so that it can stalk you instead. Only joking. They're great words. We've sung them many times, but somehow or other, I've just been finding them so powerful as I've had to stop and think of what they actually mean in reality. The story's found in three Gospels, but I've chosen to look at Mark's Gospel. It's chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. It's a well-known story, but it's quite a story, isn't it? Well, I'd like us to spend some time this morning just unpacking what it's saying to us in the 21st century as we start to come out of lockdown following the COVID-19 pandemic. So let me take you back to the first century and the beginning of the chapter that we've just read. If you'd lived around Galilee at that time, you would have been hard-pressed not to be aware of a new teacher who was going around the area teaching people about God and how they could get to know him. Everywhere he went, he had a huge following because the people saw that he was very different. He was for them. He took time with them. He connected with them, apart from the fact that he was able to heal all diseases too. He was like a magnet to the people. And this day, true to form, he's here at the start of chapter 4 on the shores of Galilee and the crowd is so big he's had to get into a boat and push out a little so that he can see the people and they can see and hear him. And he starts to use parables to teach them truths in a way they will understand. He starts off with a story about the sower sowing seeds and it landing in different types of soil. And then he moves on to the need to keep a candle burning brightly and not to hide it under a bushel. And then he talks about growing seed. And then he talks about mustard seed. And that's only the ones that are named here. 
It says there are many others because he's teaching all day. And so we come to the verses that we've just read at the end of the day as the people are going home and the disciples climb into the boat that he's been teaching from and Jesus starts to explain the meaning of all he's taught that day to them. So he's still busy, still teaching. And they're all in the boat or in one of the little boats alongside. It's been a really long day and Jesus says, let's go to the other side. Just a normal day for Jesus and his disciples, a busy one, but they know they'll get some rest on the other side. And Jesus is so tired, he just lies down on a cushion and immediately falls asleep. Now, a number of his disciples, we know, had been fishermen with an extraordinary understanding of winds and tides, particularly on Galilee. It's not unusual for storms to come up suddenly on the Sea of Galilee, but this was a storm to end all storms. These experienced fishermen had no warning it was coming, and they were totally unprepared for the ferocity of it. You know, more than one biblical commentator has suggested that the storm may well have been satanic in origin, because the Greek word used here means a shaking or a quaking, which is more often used to describe an earthquake than a storm. It was so fierce. It's also interesting to note that the word Jesus used in verse 39 to calm the storm was rebuked, which is the same word Jesus used when dealing with demons. But this storm had these experienced seamen fearing for their lives. So where is Jesus in all of this? Well, he's sound asleep in the stern of the boat. I want to tell you what Selwyn Hughes has to say about this scripture. So let me remind you of Jesus' words as they were setting off. It's Jesus speaking in verse 35. He says, let us go over to the other side. Keep his words in mind. Selwyn Hughes says, if Jesus has called you to pursue a certain path, there should be no doubt in your mind However much the mists swirl around and the storm attacks, if he has said, go to the other side, you cannot fail to reach it. However, the disciples were focused on the swirl and the storm and they'd completely forgotten about faith or about trust. They'd forgotten whose words they were obeying on their journey. They were in a blind panic, which maybe you can relate to. I know I definitely can. So, realising Jesus is not going to waken up on his own, they go to him with these words, Don't you care if we drown? Wow, this is the Son of God who cared so much that he left the splendour of heaven and came to a sin-cursed earth to bring salvation. I can imagine Jesus rising up and shaking his head at them and thinking, Why so little faith? And then he turns to the weather and the water and he says, that's enough from you. And immediately, do you get that? Immediately, there is complete peace and calm. Can you not almost hear the disciples' hearts thumping in their chests? Who is this? The waves and wind know his name, know his voice. Those disciples were terrified. There was nothing, you, you know, what, what could they say? They were thinking, what, what's the worst here? Is the storm the worst or is it the knowledge that this man can control the elements with just his word? The waves and wind still know his name. So let's look at what this teaches us. Because there's a lot to learn here to prepare us for the storms that come our way. 
First of all, remember that this was a dreadful storm. It was extremely frightening. But the disciples were obeying what Jesus had told them to do. Go to the other side. They were travelling with Jesus. But the storm still came. They were at the centre of his will. Yet the storm still came. You know what I'm saying, right? Storms come to us all. And they come for many different reasons. Do you imagine for one minute that Jesus, asleep, didn't know what was going on or that he wasn't interested? In actual fact, he knew the storm was coming. He was totally equipped to deal with it. He chose to go through the storm with his disciples. The storm enabled them to measure their faith, to see Jesus in the storm with them, to learn that he is always able to cope with anything that comes our way. Yes, they were terrified in the storm and in the answer to it, but they saw he had control over everything. It's an amazing tale and not just a made-up story, but very true. This happened and it has so much to teach us at this time in our history too. So today I want to bring you seven principles, very short ones, from what we've just read to teach us about trusting our sovereign saviour who's always in control. The first we've touched on already, but bear repeating and remembering. Even when we follow Jesus faithfully, unexpected storms will come. Not may come, but will come. To be a disciple means to be a follower, to go where he goes, to do what he does, to believe as he says. But look at what happened to these men as they followed. A storm strikes, one of the scariest that these men had ever seen. And the remarkable thing in this context is it came when they were simply following Jesus. They were doing the right thing and yet this violent storm struck them. This is the first big lesson for us all. We should never imagine that following Jesus makes us exempt from storms. They will come. You know Jesus knew this storm was coming before they set out. And he led his friends right into it. Remember, Jesus always has greater things in mind for his followers than they have for themselves. That's very true. Forgive me for bringing Andre Crouch's song into this message again, but you know his words, if I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in him could do. They are so true. So here's news for you. Follow Jesus and storms will come. Think of this though. These storms always have purpose. Jonah's storms came to bring him back to God. Paul's storms came to provide witnessing opportunities. And the disciples here, their storm came to have their faith built up. People of God expect storms ahead. The second principle is this. Though it seems the Lord is asleep in the storm, he's still present. Everyone else in the boat that day was panicking. But Jesus was sound asleep. Why? Well, one obvious, obvious answer is that he was tired. But for another much more profound reason too, he wasn't panicked over the circumstances. He was in perfect peace in the face of the storm because he always knew that the winds and the waves would obey him. He was at the centre of Father God's will and he knew no matter what, his father's will would be accomplished. The proof of that is he's asleep. You don't sleep when you're scared stiff. 
As long as Jesus was in the boat, there was absolutely nothing to fear. When you and I go through storms, it may feel like the Lord is unaware of it, as if he's asleep. But he is in the boat with us. Even if he looks asleep, he has full and complete control. We've nothing to worry about. Psalm 121 verses 3 and 4 say, He who watches over you will not slumber. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. We can be confident that Jesus, who experienced perfect peace in the midst of the storm, will be with us in our storms, offering his own perfect peace. So storms come, but Jesus is in them with us always. The third principle is this. We do the best thing we can do when we call out to Jesus. That's what the disciples did. They woke him up. In the original Greek, that is four words long. Literally, it translates, Lord, save, we perish. Straight into the point. But you know, it's actually a great prayer. Lord, affirming his deity, save. They knew just what was needed. And we perish rightly states the situation that they're in. It means if you don't save us, we're lost. It's the best sinner's prayer ever. Lord, save me, I perish. Simple. Jesus isn't interested in our oratory skills. He just wants to hear our hearts. Psalm 50 verse 15 sums it all up for us. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honour me. Takes us on to our fourth principle. Before Jesus rebukes the storm, he may first want to rebuke our lack of faith. Ouch. Before Jesus rebukes the winds and the waves, he rebukes the, the disciples for their fear and their lack of faith. Their biggest problem in the storm was their lack of faith in what Jesus could do. All they had seen him do, all they had heard, seemed to mean nothing when faced with this big trauma. But because of the fact that he was with them, they had absolutely nothing to fear. Sometimes we go through terrible storms. I know many of you have already. And I hate to tell you, but if you haven't, you will do at some point. I would never make light of anything that you've gone through. But you'll know that each storm is allowed by God to encourage us to place our trust in something about himself that we've already been taught. He's already shown us what he can do. Storms come and force us back to what we've learned about him in a new way, in a current circumstance. He says, do you think I don't know there's a storm? You need to trust me more. Philippians 4 and 6 and 7, here's the answer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, he's the only one we can take it to who has any answers. On to number five, our fifth principle. Jesus is able to change a great storm to a great calm with just a word. The waves and wind still know his name. He needs us to hear this. With a word, he does it. Listen, Jesus rebuked, he scolded the weather and the water. That sounds absolutely crazy, but it's literally what he did. And the results speak for themselves. 
The wind and the raging of the seas ceased. It wasn't a gradual decline. It went from a great swirling tempest to a great calm immediately at Jesus' word. He proved his Lord of all in that boat on Galilee that day. Jesus Christ is able to do the same for us in the midst of our storms in our lives. We need to be very aware that the storm is always under his control and he is able, if he sees fit, to take it from great tempest to great calm in our storms too. And you know what? Even if he doesn't, he is still with us. That's a great relief. He is always with us. So on to the penultimate principle, number six. Jesus proves the storms that he's sovereign over all areas of our lives. Imagine what it was like in that boat when all of a sudden the storm ceased and there was complete calm. It literally happened immediately. Who can this be? The disciples asked each other. Even the winds and the waves obey his commands. If they didn't fully realise who he was at this point, when would they ever? Let me read you Psalm 107, starting at verse 23 and going through to um, verse 32. Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths in their peril. Their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. We have one almighty, awesome God. The final principle, number seven, perfect number, is this. When Jesus rises to a rescue in the storm, we need to worship him. The disciples marvelled. They were in wonder. They feared exceedingly. They were terrified. The word used here is not fear as in cowardliness, but it's rather a deep and heartfelt reverence. It was like a holy dread as they realised what had just happened. You know, when we trust Jesus to see us through the storms of life, he takes us to the other side and shows us more of who he is. As a result, if we learn what is teaching us in this season, we come away more in love with him, more surrendered to him. Worship happens when we see our great God for who he really is and we respond to what we, we see in an appropriate and heartfelt way. And it's in the storms of life that we get to see who Jesus really is. We've certainly been in a storm these last few months. I tell you, I can't wait to be back in church with you all, worshipping the one who has been in it all with us, through it all, although I realise it won't be for a very long time yet and that is making me feel really sad. I'm so glad I can be certain though, he is always in complete control. Let me tell you again, 
the waves and the wind still know his name. Amen. Keep looking to him, Church of God. He's with you. Be very blessed. <laughs>